What's up, guys? This is Blake, host of the That You May Know Him podcast. I wanted to let you know that on this episode that you're about to listen to, I had a setting on my microphone that wasn't right, and consequently, my audio got corrupted. It doesn't sound terrible, although it doesn't sound like it normally does. You'll be able to tell that my voice sounds a little echoey, a little distorted. Meanwhile, my conversation partner, Rich, sounds great and crystal clear. Uh, I'm really sorry about that. Doesn't happen very often. I think this is like the second time in 160 plus episodes that we've had uh, a corrupted audio file. But I thought that the conversation was too important to not publish or to try and re-record. So I hope you can get through it and not be too bothered by the audio. Uh, it's a great conversation, in my opinion. It's an important one, and it's one that will segue into future conversations about Christians and violence, and when is it okay, is it ever okay for Christians to use violence? So anyway, guys, that's what I needed to tell you. I hope you enjoy this episode, and thanks so much for listening. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the That You May Know Him podcast. I'm your host, Blake Barbera, and I'm happy to be back once again with my good friend, Rich Russell. We are picking up a series that we've been doing for most of this year, but we've had a little bit on the shelf for the last couple of months. First of all, Rich, welcome back, brother. How are you? Get people caught up. What's been going on? How you doing? Uh, I'm doing, yeah, I'm doing great. It's just great to be back on the podcast. And, uh, and I think the timing of talking about God Save America is pretty poignant. So, um, yeah, times just seem to be getting more intense and, and, uh, and excited to dialogue about it today. Yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, for those of you that are new to the pod or new to this series, uh, this series is called God Save America. And Rich and I in this series have been talking uh, more or less about kingdoms, uh, kingdoms in this world, the kingdom of God, and how do Christians contend for our countries, for our cultures, while staying wholly focused and completely devoted to Jesus Christ and the building and the, the advancement of his kingdom. It was never our intention to take a couple month break, but I had a baby a couple months ago and uh, we just were never back to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but we've been talking about picking this up for the last several weeks, and I think now's a good time. A lot's happened in America in the last week, week and a half, and there's some things on our hearts that uh, we kind of want to get into in terms of where we see things going and uh, what we want the church and the people of God to be aware of. Uh, is that a fair way to put it, Rich? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm still sidetracked by you being a parent now. I'm really excited for you. You know, if 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 marriage is an advancement in sanctification, wait till you get into parenting. Oh man, that's the truth. Uh, you've known Christina and I for quite a long time. Uh, I mean, the majority of our married life, we've been friends with you, and uh, so it's been a long time coming. But you're absolutely right. Like I look back on 11 years being married to my wife, and it's like. Now that we have a kid, I'm saying, man, we really had a good rhythm going, you know that? And it's, it is yeah. totally, totally gone now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. And, uh, and, 
you know, you're gonna, you you'll, you'll know why old people love naps after, um, <laughs> after, after having a baby for about yeah. six months to a year. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We, uh, man, I think I already know. Maybe I can't relate quite the way I will be able to when I'm, you know, in my sixties, but naps are, have never been more precious. That's for sure. So I, I know this not, is a though. complete tangent. Yeah, this oh, is a complete ahead, tangent, but you know, I just had a conversation with my son-in-law the other day and, and Kelly's about ready to have her, her third child in the next week or so. But um, yeah. the, their, their two oldest, the youngest just got out of diapers. She's almost three years old and, and out of diapers. And I've been telling them from the very beginning, I said, you know, once your kids get out of diapers, it is heaven yeah. on earth. And, yeah. you know, they're just so much fun to be around and, you know, they're such yeah. a blast to be with. And, and, and he came up to me the other day and he says, Rich, you know what? You're absolutely right. I mean, I am just having the time of my life with my kids. So, you know, just yeah. as an encouragement to any, any young parents that have, you know, <laughs> children in diapers and to you as well, it's, it's, uh, you know, be encouraged. It gets a lot better. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. Uh, you know, I, uh, it's still a little early for me to be talking about the next kid or the next the next batch of kids, but uh, I'll keep that in my back pocket. I think, uh, you know, if, if I had it my way, I would say it's going to be a while before we're completely out of diapers because uh, now that we've got one, let's let's get a few more going. But all that said, you know, I'm not the one that has to grow them inside my body, deliver them. And uh, I, I think your wife so, has you know, some, hey, some input. She does. She does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't I don't want to tell her that, but she does. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know you're you're not an egalitarian. What's what's the other one? Be not a, what's the other side of complementarian. 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 I know you're a complementarian, yeah. but I, I would I would be hesitant to tell your wife that she was gonna get pregnant again. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm not planning on it right now. <laughs> At least not before Christmas. But I will say yeah. if we're if if, if if we are looking forward to getting out of diapers in say three years at the earliest or two years, um, the next thing we were looking forward to was just sleeping through the night. And our son is not even three months old and he was born really, really small, only four and a half pounds for, for various reasons. But Rich, this kid's already getting logging six and seven hour nights in the last like week and a half. It's just unbelievable. Wow. Wow. The mercy of God is extended. Totally. totally. You got to love it. Boy, I, I would be yeah, on my we, knees every morning in gratitude. Totally. It, it started probably like a week and a half ago. Uh, like we woke up and it had been five hours and, and Christina was like, oh my goodness, and jumped out of bed and checking on him. And, um, and every night after that, except maybe one, he's gotten at least four and a half hours, sometimes five, sometimes six, one night, seven. And so I'm just going, Lord, I'm going to just, I'm going to, I'm going to live into this. If this is what you're doing, let's keep it going. <laughs> Give him a good feed before yeah. bed and and hope for the That's best. Right. And he's already almost, actually, he's not almost, he is as of yesterday, 12 pounds. And he was born four and a half 12. pounds less than three months ago. Yep. Yep. My goodness. You're raising a sumo wrestler. So, it's just amazing. Yeah. He's chunking out big time, big time. His face is getting nice and chubby. <laughs> That's super good All to right. hear. Yeah. So back well, to got, back uh, to God Save America. 
Yeah, we and actually, it. It's, it's not a it's not a bad segue because I mean, you know, the decisions no. we're making now will impact, uh, you know, our children and our children's children. So, you know, we need to make sure that we're on track with the Lord, so that you know that we're um, so that we can act in the best interests of the generations that are going to follow us. And you know, I mean, totally. I, and and again, if I've been, you know, this podcast is like really intrigued me. Like I am, I am an American, I am pro-American, but I don't want to be, I I was, I I don't want to be ignorant of American history. You know, like did, did our patriarchs who started the revolutionary war, was it necessary to start the revolutionary war? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, we have, if, if you ask that question, and what was their motive in doing it? So we always hear in the history books that, you know, it was, you know, give me liberty or give me death. You know, all these mm-hmm. noble virtues that we fought the Revolutionary mm-hmm. War for. But mm-hmm. in actuality, their battle cry was no taxation without representation. That's right. But that was the That's same. Right. That was just, so is it, were we, were we motivated by money or were we motivated by God? And it's, you know, the, the scripture says, are we going to follow God or are we going to follow money? You know, when you take a right. look at the fruit of America today and how deeply steeped it is in greed, and I, I, what were the oh, man. What, what were the seeds back then that are bearing fruit today? And, yeah, and so I realized, this was, this was the amazing thing, I realized that the English were in the same position. They were dictated by a monarch in the same totally. way the, the American, you know, colonies were, were dictated. Yeah. And yet they yeah. transitioned peacefully into legislative power and defanging the monarch uh, by yeah. the 1820s or by 1830 without a shot being without fired. Shedding blood. Yeah. Without yeah. shedding any blood. Yeah. And the more, the more dramatic example, you know, and then I'd like to get your input on it because I, I don't, I don't want to alienate, uh, you know, Christian nationals right now, but yeah. the, the civil war, they ended Europe ended slavery by 1810. England, France, and Spain all yeah. ended slavery by 1810. The American, yeah. the, the American system, it cost it cost future generations 620,000 lives to fight the Civil totally. War to end slavery. Totally. And I'm going. And, and, and I'm good. going. Was that necessary? Mm-hmm. And 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 the good thing, so I, I don't want to be conflated at all when I say this. The one virtuous thing that the South was fighting for, not to keep slavery, but to keep states' rights, was almost completely lost. So the bad thing that they were fighting to keep was destroyed, praise God. The good thing they were fighting to keep was completely lost, almost completely lost. Would it have been more effective to um, to do it? like you say, legislatively, and maybe have a chance to keep the good thing that the states were fighting for, which was states' rights. I think, though, we would we would regret if we didn't share with listeners sort of the broad topic that we're getting into with this today, which is mm-hmm. Christians and violence. Christians and violence. When is it okay? Is it okay for Christians to take up arms? And the reason I think we both feel it's important to talk about this. And the reason that I think the Lord's bringing it to the forefront of our hearts and minds in various ways is because we both see a time coming where Christians are going to be faced with this decision in the very near future or could be faced with this decision. 
And this is a really and big topic. Have- and there's a lot of there's a lot of different avenues and streams that we can and, and hopefully will get down. Uh, but that's the general sort of scope of where we're going. And before I turn it rich back over to you, I just want to just want to touch on two things you said. I've heard in the last two weeks, I've had two different discussions. One was in a barbershop yesterday where, again, I heard for like the one millionth time in my adult life, someone who loves the Lord and who loves America saying the founding fathers were God-fearing Christian men. They were committed Christians. And I every time I hear that, it kind of makes me cringe because I think to myself, that's not wholly true. You're, you're, you haven't been given the whole picture. But then also in the last two weeks, I've heard this, this idea that the revolution was based in people's Christian faith. And the people who were fighting were fighting for their Christian values, for Christian liberty, and to, to ensure uh, you know, a Christian future for their children. And I also have to think to myself that that might've been, that might've been the, the, the motive of the pilgrims coming over, but that is not the whole picture of why the revolutionary war was fought. So anyway, I just, you mentioned those, I just wanted to touch back on them. And I think the, the, the reason for, for me, the reason being a grandfather, the reason why it's so critically important is, is that we have an objective uh, an, an objective, truth-based discussion in the intensity of the emotions that are going on today. The parallels with the Revolutionary War and even the Civil War are are mm-hmm. are are dramatically parallel. And I think mm-hmm. of the decisions that the that the that the founding fathers made in mm-hmm. in not ending slavery led to mm-hmm. the deaths of of hundreds of thousands of their grandchildren and great grandchildren. Yes. You know, so so if they had had the the courage mm-hmm. of their values, um, mm-hmm. it would have saved hundreds of thousands of lives. So what we're talking about today isn't just some intellectual dialogue about current events or or um, mm-hmm. you know theological discussions about kingdom. It's this is to me this is down and dirty, real life, practical stuff that's going to affect not only my life, but the life of my children, my grandchildren, and my great, great grandchildren. So it's a, mm-hmm. that's, to me, that's the stake we have in, in identifying truth in our discussion uh-huh. today. And to, to the degree uh-huh. that we continue this podcast, we, we've got to separate out, like, I'll be honest with you, I am a, in my heart, I am a Christian nationalist. Uh-huh. In my spirit— I am totally kingdom. And the yeah. conflict between those two natures, uh-huh. um, I, I'll probably get pretty authentic about my feelings today. Um, uh-huh. but, but we need to land on the truth. What is, what, is, what is God's truth in the midst of it? I, I don't want to be inauthentic about the intensity of the emotions that not only I feel, but a lot of a lot of American Christians are really conflicted. And unfortunately, most people are just going to, I, I hate to say most Christians are like sheep, or most people mm-hmm. are like sheep, but they're going to go with the the um, the, the loudest voice. Mm-hmm. And I think the loudest totally. voice today in Christianity mm-hmm. are these Christian nationalists, these seven mountain mandate people um, mm-hmm. that are, that are so gung-ho America, gung-ho, God is for America. God is going to save America. They are prophesying God is saving America, you know, um, 
we we need to have we need to have an open and honest discussion about is that really the truth yeah. of scripture and is that really the heart of god and what is Absolutely. god's heart that that was so well said brother um and we have about no that 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 was perfect and now before we jump fully in i just want to share with people building off of that sort of what my heart is for the takeaway or the big picture question that I want people to have in their minds as we get into this discussion, this is not going to be just one episode. I think we're barely going to scratch the surface because we've got about 20 or 25 minutes left for this episode. So we'll pick this up again in two weeks and we'll go for as long as we need to in terms of how many episodes we do on this topic uh, to kind of wrap up this series, God Save America. But the big question or the big picture idea I want people to have in terms of why we're having this discussion is if you are one of those folks that thinks to yourself, well, yes, God is for America. Cause I, Rich, I have the exact same dilemma in, in myself, in my two natures. On one hand, my spirit is completely kingdom. And I think thankfully that spirit is starting to take over more and more and dominate uh, you know, my other fleshly nature as lies continue to get rooted out. But the other side of me is I love this country. I'm thankful for this country. I have people in my family, family tree who have fought for this country. Um, and I believe that there was so much good and so much biblical wisdom in the founding of this country. I don't think it was perfect. That's obvious. I think the the fatal flaw in the in the founding father's worldview is, is no less evident than in the fact that they didn't end slavery when they did. And while they, while they founded this nation that has done so much good for so many people, like you said, that hundreds of thousands of their grandchildren and great grandchildren died to fix their heir. So I don't want to have this idea that the founding fathers were fallible. I don't think or were infallible rather. I don't think they were infallible at all. I respect him and thank God for him. But at the end of the day, George Washington is the same, in some ways, the same thing to me that Caesar was to those Jews who were asking Jesus, whose image is on that coin? Now, do, do we pay taxes or not? And Jesus said, hey, whose image is on that coin that's in your pocket? George Washington is the face who's on the dollar bill in our pockets. So in some ways, Look, like we have to realize that the kingdom that we're living in has to be separated in our minds from the kingdom that we actually belong to, which is the kingdom of God. Uh, but before I turn it back to you, I just want to say this. The reason that I think it's important to have this discussion and the big picture thing I want to be on people's minds is my heart is I don't want Christians in the next 10 to 20 years, if it comes to it, to make a decision to go and pick up arms and go fight for America without counting the cost first and without mm. really, truly, actually knowing what Scripture says, what Jesus told his disciples their mission was about, and what I believe is a true and right way to follow Jesus, what what the way of the cross actually is, you know, stripped of all of our American Christian nationalist, you know, um, ornaments that we've put on the tree. So that's my heart. I think that's what I'm going to try and bring out over the next, you know, several episodes as we talk about this before 
you go pick up a weapon or you go talk like it's time to pick up a weapon and save America, count the cost. And what did Jesus actually say about how Christians fight for kingdoms? It's it's really I think I think in these days the intensity is going to be so great. It, it's going to be no different than the Revolutionary War or the Civil War. Is is that are we being motivated by our need to survive, our desire to survive, to protect our mm-hmm. our quality of life, um, or or is God calling us to uh, a cross that? trust in perhaps a better plan. Because if you take a look at, you know, and we've talked about this in previous podcasts, you know, that they were looking for a political savior. The disciples were looking for that political savior. And yet, and yet God had a better plan. And it's like, have we examined the potential that God may have a better plan than picking up arms to fight against the obvious evil that is overrunning our country today? And, and again, Absolutely. I'm really conflicted. You know what? You know, I believe the original sin was not confronting evil. Um, right. You know, it wasn't about eating the fruit or not eating the fruit. It was the man not confronting the, the, the lies and deceptions and the evil of the serpent. And, yeah. and it's like, so <laughs> we need to be confronting evil. The question is, how do we confront that evil? What is, what is yeah. the proper, what is the godly way of confronting that evil? Um, and so, you know, with, with, you know, the whole idea of that, that compulsion to survive, um, are we going to be able to um, um, tether ourselves to mm-hmm. uh, Scripture and the truth uh, and endure until we see God manifest his plan? Or, or like, let's get, let's get real. What are we going to do? You know, I mean, if, if the mm-hmm. Democrats have their way, there's going to be 87,000 IRS agents that are armed. They are, they mm-hmm. are, they I mean, I don't want to go into how evil that is, you know, yeah. it's, it's, or, or the motives behind it. Um, yeah. but what are you going to do if they are, are you going to submit to, you know, if they come to the door, you know, are you mm-hmm. going to fight or are you going to submit to the government and allow yourself to get arrested? You know, you go back to that, right. that picture of, of, you know, the Jews in, in, uh, in, in Nazi Germany, it was, you know, within three months of Hitler, solidifying power they were passing laws mm-hmm. and arresting and persecuting Jews yeah and 10 yep. years yep. later and 10 years later six million Jews were dead what you know yep. so these are the conflicts that are real they're they're authentic they're they're authentic you know conflicts that we're going to have how do we deal with those situations so my takeaway from from this podcast and it's always been my takeaway is that we can't make decisions based on our human understanding or our emotions. We have got yeah. to be so rooted in Scripture and so clear in, in, in our yeah. commitment to coming into the throne room to hear the heart of God um, yeah. that, that we can have a peace about whatever decision we make. Yeah. That's beautiful. Uh, I think the next— uh, discussion or several discussions are going to be about us coalescing these two big takeaways, which is (laughs) you're saying, let's come into the throne room and let's hear the heart of God on this and not make a decision in our flesh. And I think, I think what I, what I fill in because I know you so well is the flesh could be either, Hey, be a Christian nationalist, 
or it could be, hey, don't do anything. Just, you know, just just be ready to suffer and die and 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 you know, let the will of the Lord be done. And what I think, if I know you well enough, you would say is it's neither of those. Let's press into right. God and let's discern and let's walk it out. And what I'm saying is for me, I lean more toward the hey, Christians, uh, I have a I'm not saying that I, I'm sure I'm right, but I have this really strong inclination that there's there's something else in scripture that that a lot of that that, that Christian nationalists aren't aware of. <laughs> and I want to bring it out to the surface. And it has to do with uh, hey, before you pick up a, a gun and go shoot someone in the name of saving America, in the name of Jesus, count the cost and make sure that you're actually doing uh Make sure you know what you're doing. And maybe I won't be able to convince everybody that that's not the will of God. But I think what we're going to be doing is trying to coalesce these two things over the next several discussions. And and again, we have had some like, you know, trailer or preview discussions about the topic. You know, we we never orchestrate everything out completely. But, um, you know, you did bring up something. But it is amazing. This is, you know, go ahead. Sorry, Rich. It's amazing that our first episode in this podcast was what kind of Messiah did the Jewish people expect? We could have never planned this or no, or have known that we would end up here. But did they expect a political Messiah? Yes, they did. And what did they get? Not that at all. Sorry. Go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt. Well, yeah. And, and you know, in the discussions that we've had or the discussion we had yesterday, you brought up something so profound and impactful. It's 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 like really shaking me in the sense that how then do I respond? And you connected the Sermon on the Mount and Revelation five. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, and I want you to and, and at some point in time you need to expound on that. Um, you know, what yeah. he actually preached during the Sermon on the Mount and in Revelation five. Um, it's because it's, it, it, it has been very weighty in me because I kind of fall toward the, you know, mm-hmm. if, if, uh, you know, if lawlessness is in the land, yeah. I'm defending my family, you know, yeah. I'll shoot and get them saved later is my attitude. Yeah. And yet yeah. you look at the Sermon on the Mount in Revelation five and you know, what you brought out, it's like, I, I, I am, I am impossibly conflicted. I cannot resolve those yeah. two, the, those, the truth of what you brought out and the strength of my commitment to defend uh-huh. my family. Uh-huh. I, I can't make a decision on my own. I need to hear from God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in Revelation okay. chapter five. Yeah. Yeah, I want you to. Yeah, if you want to go there now, go there now because it's 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 yeah, probably going to be foundational for our discussion. Yeah, I, I think it is, and it's it's foundational for my life. I I was laying in bed last night talking to Christina and just telling her how this like sort of I feel like the Lord opened my eyes in the last week. I've been studying and living in Revelation for two years, and I feel like. Literally, I felt like the Lord dropped the scales from my eyes and unlocked the entire message of the book in being in this one passage in Revelation 5 for the podcast this week. And I'm laying in bed, and we're talking about how this message 
like leaks out into every area of our life. So in Revelation 5, John is just finishing up being given like a tour of heaven. The apostle John is is being shown heaven and he's beholding the throne of God. And in the throne of God, there's a scroll with seven seals on it. And it is the scroll of God's judgment that is about to be unleashed on the world. Um, But an angel who's in heaven says, who is worthy to open the scroll? In other words, who is able to inaugurate the seven years of God's judgment that will that will close human history? And John begins to weep because no one is able to open the scroll. That right there, uh, as Rich and I talked about yesterday, is, is wild enough to think about. The apostle of Jesus is weeping because for a moment he thinks that there's no one who can commence God's judgment falling on the world. He wants God's judgment to fall on the world. But then he's consoled by an elder in heaven who says, don't weep anymore. The lion of the tribe of Judah has conquered. He has overcome and he is able to open the scroll. We all know who the lion of the tribe of Judah is. It's Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the one who conquered and overcame. John hears that. The lion of the tribe of Judah is able to open the scroll and he looks up and what does he behold? He's looking for the lion of the tribe of Judah. And what he finds is not the lion, but the lamb that was slain. Now, don't, don't, don't get confused. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the one who overcame, is the lamb. This is an essential, uh, this has to become a, an essential tenet of Christian theology. Why is it that there are two threads running through scripture? Messiah is the lion of the tribe of Judah who conquers and overcomes, and he is also at the same time the lamb who was slain. And I believe this is why. Because the lamb overcame, not through violence, not through force, not through wielding power, not through destroying his enemies. He overcame through submission, through sacrifice, through dying for his enemies. That is how the two pictures of Messiah come together. He is the lion. He is the most powerful one who overcomes and who conquers, but he does it not by force or violence, but by laying down his life for his sheep and for those people who were actually nailing him to the cross. And you tie all this together in the words of Jesus. I mean, all through the gospels, this thread runs all through the gospels. His disciples were constantly asking him, when are you going to take over? When are you going to raise an army? When are we going to restore the kingdom to Israel? We thought you were going to pick up a sword like David and fight our enemies. And Jesus, the, all throughout, is telling them, no, 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 no. He, he will defeat his enemies one day when he returns, but he wanted them to get the point. That is not for you to do here and now. That's something that I'm going to do in the Lord way far into the future when I come the second time. But right now, you have a completely different mission. And it's to follow the example of the Lamb. Jesus told all the people listening on that day when he gave his most famous sermon, you have been told that you should love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you today, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. Pray for those who despitefully use you. The message of Jesus Christ 
all through the Gospels, the message of Jesus Christ to his church today, and the absolute crystal clear message of Revelation is that the church follows the Lamb by following his example. We don't conquer by violence and by force. We conquer by laying down our lives, by humbling ourselves before God, by being completely submitted and surrendered to him, and by trusting him completely. And we love our enemies. We, we defeat our enemies by loving them, which actually in a lot of cases means that we win them. That, that's it. That, that's the message of the gospel. That's the message of revelation. That's the message of Jesus Christ to the church. And I believe that's the message that the church needs to hear today more than any other. And, and, that, is, uh, and that is completely offensive to the flesh. Completely. I mean, it's, it's that the cross is an offense, and Scripture says the that the, you know, the cross is is a, is an offense, and I think that's the thing yeah. that 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 we in 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 the intensity of the times we're living in, that's the very core issue that we have to deal with. Um, but yeah. again, I come back to I, I come back to you know what does the application look like in my daily life. And, mm-hmm. and it, it's, and it's only going to come through dependence because, mm-hmm. and, and again, I'm not being contrarian. I, 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 I hear the, how profound that truth is, but he, Jesus said, take up your purse, get a sword. Uh-huh. And, you know, and when you go out and preach the gospel, I know I sent you out without a sword and without a purse and, and, you know, to preach the gospel and, and, you know, miracles were performed and, he says, but now I'm uh-huh. telling you, go out with the purse and with the sword. What was the purpose of the sword mm-hmm. if, if, if he told Peter to get a sword, Peter gets a sword and then, and then basically rebukes him at the time of Jesus' yeah. arrest? Yeah. You know, and, and I think yeah. that, 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 that needs to be answered. And, and, and I, and I believe that, that, when they were on the road, they were subject to yeah. thieves and robbers and, and violence uh, on the road while they were traveling to share the gospel. They had so, a right yeah. to defend themselves. Totally. Yeah. I, I believe that's what the sword was for. It was not for the propagation of the gospel. It was not for the salvation of, of kingdom truths, of freedom. And, and you know, that, that wasn't what it was for. It was for personal defense. And again, it comes yeah. down to that application of, of you know, it, in, in the lawlessness that's being released in the land, you know, where does that have application? And that's why I will constantly, because I'm constantly coming back to it, what does the application look like that on a daily life or on a circumstantial level? Yeah. yeah. But hey, it's, Rich, it, what you're just sharing want... is irrefutable. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean— yeah, I, I, I'm, I'd, I'd love to hear someone attempt because then it would, it would, it would sharpen the, the argument and really, uh, you know, strengthen it. But I just want to put some teeth to, to, to what you're saying, which is there's a, there's a moment in the Gospels, first when Jesus sends out, you know, his disciples and he tells them, don't take anything with you. Don't take a money purse. Don't take anything. 
basically he's teaching them to completely look to God for everything. And this is when you go out to do the Great Commission later on. You're going to remember this, and this is how you're going to do it. God will meet you. He'll take care of you. If people don't accept you, wipe the dust off your feet and keep going. Then later he resends people out, and he says, as Rich is saying, take a sword with you. He's basically giving them swords and saying, defend yourself when you go because there's robbers and there's people on the road that are going to try and do you harm. But then, like Rich is saying, when those folks came to arrest Jesus, those who were sent from the high priest, Peter pulls out a sword and starts trying to fight. And Jesus rebukes him and he says, Peter, put your sword away. If you live by the sword, you die by the sword. And Rich, for me, I can't help but think that Jesus is saying Look, when someone is trying to persecute you, the response that you have should not be to fight back. That's not what you do when you're persecuted. Jesus promised that we would be persecuted. He promised that we would be persecuted, and I think he knew that the way we respond in persecution is one of the greatest opportunities that we will ever have to express and manifest our completely surrendered lives and faith to the world, including to the people who are doing the persecuting. I believe Jesus knew that. When it comes to robbers and thieves and people who are trying to harm you on the road, I think it's I think that there's I think that there's a distinction that has to be made. I think that's the distinction that Jesus makes. What what do you think? You know, and again, I mean it is Let's let's take the scenario that that the that the American government is dictated, dominated, and controlled by evil, and and that the yeah. and that there is a spiritual war going on that wants to bring the end uh, to Christianity in America. Totally. That's clearly that's clearly persecution. Um, uh-huh. I, I, when the when the rubber meets the road on an individual level, and you've got some lawless kids in the neighborhood that um that try and break into your home to rob you um you know is 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 that part of the persecution and what is our response and and again i'm 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 i I don't want to bring confusion to people's lives i want to i want to bring up the reality of these are not intellectual discussions these are these are life and death decisions that require a dependence on God to, to get understanding. And, mm-hmm. um, and so I just want to bring up those scenarios that I, I don't want to just, yeah. Oh, on an, on a, a, gosh, Blake is absolutely right. There's no way to contest the truth of what he shared. But then when the rubber meets the road and we're confronted with violence, what is our knee-jerk yeah. reaction going to be? Have we become so yeah. convinced in our spirit that we can respond by the spirit, or are we yeah. going to have a knee-jerk reaction to survive? And and mm-hmm. so I, I don't want to leave it on a superficial level. I, I want to I compel people to resolve in their hearts, this is, this is the truth of God, and this is my, what my response is going to be. Um, uh, and I'm re- and I'm and I'm and I've so wrestled with God before the emergency takes place. It's almost like training for a fight. You know, you you've got to you've yeah. got to step in the ring. You've got to step in the ring with a sparring partner, and that sparring partner is is our emotions. It's our passions. Yeah. It's those deep passions that, if we were to get really confronted with those passions, 
you know, what is our response going to be? So again, um, you know, I'm deeply impacted by, by, um, by your revelation of, of the Sermon on the Mount and Revelation five. Uh, and, and I'll be honest, I'm grappling with it, but I'm willing to come into the throne room. I'm willing to come in the throne room and get real with God and to say, look at God, you know what? I, I don't know that I can just be a lay down for violence. I need to know what your response is going to be. And I need to know where you are as my covering in the midst of persecution. Yeah. You know, who are you? I need, if I know who you are, I can better trust you. And it's better to grapple with these, with these deep passions now, uh, than, than to try and do it in the heat of the moment. Does that make sense? Totally. Uh, There's all these questions that are popping up in my mind, which is, what's the difference between initiating violence and responding to it? How does that come into play? What's the difference between being persecuted for your faith by, say, a government or an authority and being robbed by someone who has no authority? Uh, You you connected the two when when you did the analogy because you said, you know, the hooligans that are coming to rob my home are doing so because... The country's less Christian. I think in order to have the conversation, we have to say, well, wait a minute. There's been robbers in every Christian society that's ever lived. Uh, so how how does how do the two distinguish themselves? But all these questions, I think, are what we're going to have to get into. And I, I hate to cut it short, but I also think it's going to be a great tease for our next episode, which is let's get into the throne room and let's get into the scriptures and let's try and see if there's a way to work these things out if there's anything there, or if we just have to walk this out in discernment and there's no real plumb lines that we can pull either way, I don't know, but let's see. Uh, I will say this. The one thing I left out of the revelation five is I believe that the reason that John was weeping because he, he wanted the scrolls to be opened. He wanted the scroll of God's judgment to be opened is because John knew absolutely that when the bride was ready and then and then actually went through the greatest period of testing that's ever going to take place, it would only be through following the lamb through that ultimate trial that the bride would be then ready to be married to her husband. I believe that that's true. I believe that that when the church is so purified through our through our relentless, ceaseless following of the lamb, through the greatest period of trial and testing that will ever take place, that is the moment when the bridegroom will come back and say, my bride is now spotless and ready for me to marry her. And, you know, one of the things that can't be lost in any discussion on, on Revelation, the book of Revelation and, um, and eschatology is that the book of Revelation is good news. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. We should want Totally. The return of Christ, and we should be willing to endure whatever it takes for His return. Just like it says in Revelation twelve, it's like we overcame by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of our testimony, and we did not love our lives even unto death. That's how passionate yeah. we are for the ultimate communion that comes through His return. Uh, but it's good totally. news. That's why. That's why John wept that yeah. there wasn't going that that there might not be a judgment. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's contrary to, to most everything I've heard about the book of, 
of Revelation because we live in terror when we talk about the right. judgments that are coming. And and right. what does that terror do? It opens us up, and I know we've got to close this out, but I, I you know, I gosh, it was just like one, one close I wanted to share, but this has got to be touched on, is that <laughs> that fear opens us up to deception. And the yes. end times is going to be the time of greatest deception in history to the point where, if possible, even the elect could be deceived. Deception is yes. running rampant. And I think the open door to that deception is the fear that comes of what may be coming down. Um, and, and, you know, yes. so we can't, you know, th- th- that's one of the things. It's like, it's good news. What's coming is good news. Okay, we're entering yeah. into labor, but there is going yeah. to be a birthing. We should rejoice yeah. and be excited, yeah. uh, even though the labor may be um, may be painful. Yeah. Brother, this is why so many people love and cling to the pre-trib rapture doctrine, because I, I've heard it so many times in my life. I don't want to suffer. I don't want to suffer. And you know what? The truth is, like you shared with me earlier this week, your suffering is not a tomb. It's a womb. God is going to birth something through this enduring and through this this period. This is one of the biggest themes in the Bible. Hebrews 11. What do all the people in Hebrews 11 have in common? All the, you know, it's called the Believer's Hall of Fame. They all suffered drastically, but they all had one other thing in common. They were looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. They were worthy to lay it all on the line here and now in order to attain something that they would never lose, which is the kingdom in the future forever. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We need to close it out, but boy, we need to, we need to have, uh, uh, we need to discuss this more, but um, I think we that do. was a, uh, that was a, a deep discussion today, and I am deeply impacted by it. And, and it's given me a lot to pray about and given me a passion to know God before um, whatever's going to come down. I, I have to—the the, outcome's going to be good, and because the outcome's going to be good, I have to, I, I have to submit my soul to God to trust Him for the process. Yeah, because the process yeah. is probably going to run very contrary to my, um, yeah, my will. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> like we said in the beginning, the cross is the most offensive thing in the world to the natural man. It's only when mm-hmm. we're when we're awakened and our eyes are open that it becomes the thing we love. Uh, Rich, next episode, we're going to start with this question: How will the how will the elect? If Jesus said that it's possible for even the elect to be deceived in the last days, then let's just start with the question, how is it going to be possible? We touched on it, but let's expand on it in the next one. And then we'll go from there. Cause I think it'll segue us right into what we, you know, into continuing this conversation. Awesome. All right, brother. Thanks for joining me. This was a really good one and a good start to sort of our, our, I think our closing leg of God save America. Uh, Fastest 45 minutes of my week. <laughs> Me too. Guys, if you haven't already, don't forget to check out our podcast from this week. Uh, it came out on Wednesday. Uh, it's also up on, it's not only available uh, on any podcasting app that you use to listen to that. You may know him. It's also on YouTube. It's called The Scroll with Seven Seals and the One Who is Worthy to Open It. It is my verse by verse breakdown of Revelation 5. Check it out. 
Also, don't forget to subscribe to that. You may know him on YouTube and to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks so much for listening. For Rich Russell, I'm Blake Barbera signing off. Stay blessed, live loved, and we will talk to you next time. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. Also, please consider giving us a five-star review and telling your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, don't forget to subscribe on YouTube and check out our website for tons of free, biblically-based content like Bible studies, devotionals, articles, and Bible teachings. The That You May Know Him podcast is produced by That You May Know Him Ministries, Durham, North Carolina. You can visit our website at thatyoumayknowhim.com. 